0: Over the last 13 weeks, we've been talking about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. By the way, uh, I didn't lose my shoes. I feel uncomfortable a little bit. Like people are like, who is this hippie with dreads and no shoes? (laughs) They were just uncomfortable. And today's kind of a holy day anyway. So I was like, Moses, no shoes. Remember, God said, take off your shoes. I'm going to take off my shoes. (laughs) So we're at the last couple of weeks of, uh, a study on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. In the last few weeks, we've been digging into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This week, we were supposed to tackle the topic—I was supposed to tackle the topic—of the gift of tongues. Um, and I was about 70% done with the sermon on Wednesday afternoon. And then Wednesday night, God started making it really clear to us that we were supposed to call an audible and do something different. I don't like it when God calls audibles, necessarily, because I like having a plan that we finish, because then I feel like I did something good and productive, and I'm like, I like finishing stuff. But then I was reminded, the early church didn't have no stinking preaching schedule that they stuck to. They preached, if they preached, they preached when something needed to be preached, according to what God was doing at that moment, or according to what needed to be said. So that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be talking about what's going on um, here, and some things that God's been showing us. If you really want, Want to hear a sermon on the gift of tongues? Go to realitycarp.com. Britt has preached a couple of great sermons there. They're very similar to what I would have preached today, I'm sure. All right, so over the last six months, we have mentioned that God has spoken over and over to many of us, confirmed it, that there are walls up in many of our lives preventing us from breaking through and moving forward, walking in what God has for us, or dams up, preventing the, the receiving of what God wants to do in our lives. Now, many of you have experienced some kind of amazing breakthrough in the last couple of months. I mean, I'm hearing stuff every single week. Just a couple of weeks ago, we saw a guy have his cancer results just reversed right in front of us. Um, this last Sunday, you know, a woman with 17 years suffering under anxiety and depression, on meds her whole life, Her psychiatrist told her, you'll never not be on meds for the rest of your life. You will always be on meds for anxiety and depression. She came and got prayer in the second set of worship, believing, I think God wants to heal me of this. And the person praying for her was just like, yeah, I think God is doing this. She left, started feeling like joy and lightness like she never had, just went off her meds went to her psychiatrist. That psychiatrist is mind-blown. Like, why are you even functioning right now? You should not be functioning is what she told. She told her, you'll be going to be on meds for the rest of your life. She said she's just walking in in joy and lightness like she's never experienced in her entire life. Amen. (laughs) Young man was here last Sunday who was just under a dark, dark cloud of depression, having suicidal thoughts. He got prayed for and fully radically delivered this week, told his family. It's gone, guys. It's gone. It's all gone. That's just a few stories. I was just sharing like three little stories of the last couple of weeks. So God is on the move. There's an outpouring of his love and power right now in people's lives, and that is wonderful. But many of you are watching it all happen and are still waiting for breakthrough in your life. Some of you don't even know that you're in need of breakthrough. And maybe you don't. But maybe you do, and you're just not— Aware of it, but don't tune out today. I think God might have something for you as well. But for those of you who are aware, some of you are just feeling kind of stuck, right? You're just stuck in whatever fear, maybe anxiety, depression, shame, resentment, disappointment, apathy, complacency. Maybe you're stuck because of physio- physiological or physical ailments or illnesses, just to name a few. But I believe that God wants to unstuck many people in here today, if we want it. If we want it, I believe that today can be the day, guys. But you gotta, you got to want it. you got to want to be unstuck, and I'm praying that you would be. And I believe that if you're here, you're here for a reason. You may have never been here in your life, or it's been a really long time, and you think you just showed up because, of, oh, whatever— but I think that God actually led you here and that you're here for a reason and God wants to move in your life. And my job today is just to try to not screw it up, okay? I'm gonna do my best to not get in the way of God, what God wants to do because I believe he wants to do something. So I'm gonna pray like that for you, that you would receive everything God has for you and for me that I wouldn't mess it up, okay? Can we partner together in that prayer? Let's just take a moment to put our hearts in an attitude of receiving you don't have to muster up any emotion or drive or desire. Just put your heart in an attitude of receiving right now. You're an all knowing God who knows exactly what each of us need. You're a perfect father who loves to give good gifts to his children. So I ask, Lord, that you would do, say, move, however is needed in each individual life this morning, and that I would have grace and anointing to partner with everything you're wanting to say and do. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So stuck. Some of y'all are just feeling stuck. You know, what, you know what being stuck is? It's like it's kind of like being trapped, right? It's like being bound up, unable to move forward. That's what it means to be stuck. It's a cute way of saying bondage, really. And I'm not talking not necessarily like bondage to sin, like you did something to be bound up, but you are bound up. It's preventing you from moving. For some of you, that's it. You, it is sin, maybe. But for many of us, it, we are involuntarily bound up. Something from outside of us or something someone else did has kind of come in and has hindered us, prevented us from moving forward in life. Maybe spiritually, relationally, emotionally, whatever. But really it's bondage. But listen, God has something to say to his kids about bondage. We'll get to Mark 5 in a minute, but first let me read Romans 8, 15 through 17. It says, You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Guys, this is the word of God. This is, this is truth. And today I want to partner with the Holy Spirit in speaking truth over you and exposing lies. Because lies keep you in bondage. But the truth sets you free from bondage and to adoption. And everything that comes with it. And that's what God wants to do today. He wants to set you free from all that is keeping you stuck and set you free to adoption that Jesus purchased for you and set you free to everything that comes along with being adopted as a son or daughter of God. And for some of you, you've been you've been stuck for a long time. You don't even know if it's possible for you to get fully free. It's not that you don't necessarily want to be free. You would if you could. Maybe you've even tried, but you just don't see how. How can I get like totally free and unstuck? Well, I want to look at some people in Mark 5, where you should be open to, who felt the exact same way. Because as we'll see in a minute, Jesus can undo a lifetime of stuckness or brokenness or whateverness in a moment, if we are willing, if we're willing, sometimes if we're not willing to. Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1. We're going to read a bunch of verses, basically this whole chapter. Three different stories here. Verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, the tombs, in the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. So here's, you see this man under demonic influence, possessed by demons, tormented, spiritual darkness, self-mutilation, social abandonment, really a lost cause. It goes on to say, but when Jesus, when he saw Jesus from a distance, rather, A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, it's a lot of demons, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, listen to this, They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Skip down to verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him, and while he was by the lake, then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed him and pressed around him. And a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So here there is this woman with chronic illness at the end of her rope, hopeless, no medical or human way forward. But when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Down to verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? So there's this child. She was sick and eventually died before Jesus even gets to the house. Overhearing what they said, though, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. So a demon-possessed man, so tormented that he was crying out in agony day and night, cutting himself to him. Dying would have been a relief. He was outcast. He was written off by society. No hope for this dude. And then this woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had seen doctor after doctor, physician after physician. And it says that she had spent every single dime she had. And instead of getting a little bit better, she had actually gotten worse. She's at the end of a rope with nowhere else to go. And then thirdly, a helpless child on her deathbed, and by the time Jesus shows up, it appears to be too late. It's too late. Is Jesus late? Maybe Jesus is late. It's too late. It's too late. The, the, the damage is already done. No hope for that family. Every single one of these situations was impossible and hopeless, impossible to fix, aside from the power and presence of God. All of them stuck in their own right, with no way out. But Hosea 2 says that God opens up a doorway of hope in the valley of trouble. Listen, guys, when there seems to be no way out and no way forward, God shows up and makes a way. And that's what God is here to do today. And that's why many of us are here today in this room right now, because God is wanting to do this. You're stuck, you feel like, I just can't, Whatever, fill in the blank. I just can't, or I, I can't find, whatever. Your life has written a reality for you that you live in. And it is a reality where you are bound up and you don't, you don't know how to get free. But God wants to rewrite your reality today. For some of you, you know, you've had experiences or big traumas in your life or a bunch of small traumatic experiences in your life and those circumstances have literally hardwired connections and neural pathways in your nervous system that are literally preventing you from moving past certain things. And you know, that was your body's way of surviving and coping. That's what the body does. But unless those connections are rewired, you end up living stuck in that place emotionally, relationally, socially, spiritually. For some of you, you're married, you love your spouse, but you're stuck sexually. You can't break through to the other side. And for all of it, for all of that stuff, I am all for wonderful counselors and spirit-filled psychologists and psychiatrists and therapists when and if needed. God powerfully used counselors in our lives when we were going through the hardest time in our lives. But I have seen, even this week, even this week, God, in a couple of minutes, do in people's lives what it took dozens of hours and thousands of dollars for him to do in our lives. In a couple of minutes, God does that. Isn't that what happened with this woman who had this issue for 12 years? She had tried everything with no results. But did you see what happened? She didn't even have to touch Jesus to get healed. Jesus didn't even look at her in the face. He didn't even say a word to her. She just got in the vicinity of Jesus and she was healed. She just got in the presence of God and a lifetime of of pain and sickness and brokenness and stuff that couldn't be fixed, all of a sudden got fixed. Psalm 97.5 says that mountains melt like wax in the presence of God. When God shows up things that seem to be impossible, like mountains start dissipating. But you know what guys, listen. This is so cool. God's here. God's here today. That's why I took off my shoes. God is God is here today. His presence is here, and in his presence, things that are immovable start to melt and dissipate. A moment encountering God's presence can literally heal a lifetime of fill in the blank. One touch from God can deliver the most tormented far off lost cause. One spirit-filled word through even one of God's children can rewire a lifetime of traumatic experiences. One word from God can resurrect what was once dead and seemingly without hope. That's what God does. And I believe, honestly, I believe that he wants to do that in many people's lives today, if you're willing. Uh, part of what happened this week why we changed plans is my, my wife saw. Uh, saw a vision. Now, that might sound weird to some of you guys, but I've been married to this chick a long time, and I don't see stuff that often. Like, that's not how God speaks to me, usually. Um, but my wife's been seeing stuff since the day she got saved. Like, the first, one of the first things she saw, was she saw a vision of her walking down the aisle marrying a pastor. And then she told me that, and I was like, I ain't gonna be a pastor. Are you, sh- like, I do not want to be a pastor. I'm a musician. I don't want to be a pastor. Six months before we got married, I was going on staff as a, at a church as a youth pastor. Right? So my wife's always seen stuff. God speaks to her. So I've learned to listen sometimes. Um, but this week, God, God showed my wife a, a vision that I want to share with us. Um, there was a little girl. She was in, a, in the corner of a, a room, and she was on the ground, and she was crouched up with her her legs up like a, in a little ball with her arms wrapped around her legs and her fists clenched. The corner was cold and it was dark and it was heavy. And the girl was weighed down full of fear and pain, shame, disappointment, neglect, and much brokenness. But in front of her was Jesus and he was overflowing with compassion and love, full of power, And strength and safety, security, and stability. And he had his arms outstretched, wanting to pick her up and pull her out of everything that that corner represented and into everything that his arms represented. But she wouldn't or couldn't unclench her hands and stretch out her arms to receive. And so she was held in bondage in this place that she was never actually intended to be while Jesus continued to offer to rescue her. Like I said, I've been married long enough to know that when God starts showing something to my wife, that it's, we need to tune in and listen because he's—, he's trying to say something to us. And it's not always for the congregation. It's not always even for anybody outside of us. Sometimes it's just for us to know to pray. There's lots of times that that happens. But when it was confirmed over and over this week by other people, it became very obvious that God was wanting us to show us something and tune us into something that was happening with many people and to tune us into what he had to say about it and what he wanted to do about it. For some of you, that picture, I met a girl last last gathering that was like, that's actually me. Like that physically was me. Some of you, it's an actual word of knowledge, like something that actually happened to you in real life. For some of you, it's a metaphor, though, of your heart, your mind, or your life, held captive, feeling unable to get free and fully receive from Jesus. Either way, I know this. Those hidden, dark places somehow start to feel so comfortable and almost safe after a while— You sit with the weight of that stuff for so long that it feels more natural to live with it than to be from it. It's like those stories you hear of the kids who are kidnapped and they're placed in these kind of like dungeon underground places and backyards where there's no light. And after a while, it becomes more natural and more comfortable to live in the darkness for them than it does to live in the light. And I know personally, from personal experience, how terrifying it can be to let go of something that you've lived with and carried for years and years. Even when you know that it's, it's destroying you inside or blocking up, holding you back from walking in all that God has for you. For me, it was deep, deep bitterness for somebody really close to me in my family. And for 20 years, I lived in that place until just a few years ago. And the resentment and the bitterness was like a warm blanket, at least that's how it felt, that I walked around with. And I didn't know adult life without it. I didn't even know it was there at first. And then when it was exposed, it was terrifying to think about living life, not walking with this thing because it was a part of who I was. And you know, of course, I thought I was justified in it because of the wrongs that were done to me and how bad I had been wronged. I was justified in my resentment, but justified or not, when it was exposed for what it was, it became apparent that this blanket was like full of leprosy and it was eating away at me, slowly killing me and robbing me from what God wanted to do in my life and through my life. And it would continue to do so until I got free of it. And getting free of it was the most difficult and most terrifying thing in my life next to burying our son. I get it. I get what it's like to have the darkness and the bondage and the stuckness become so deeply a part of you that it seems more frightening to be free of it because it's all you've ever known than to live with it. But friends, listen, God has not given you a spirit of bondage that leads to fear, but he has given you a spirit of adoption. It is not the will of God for his children to live in bondage. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Not bondage. There is freedom. And we are the temple of the Spirit. We are the house of the Holy Spirit. And so there's two steps here, right? The verse says not a spirit of bondage and yes, a spirit of adoption. There are two elements to the fullness of freedom that Christ has for us. There is a stepping out the little girl, like, getting up, reaching her arms out. There's a step out of the bondage, and he's stepping into the adoption. Now, some of you are super aware of this today. And some of you are super not. Some of you are like, dude, I that's me. I'm stuck. That girl represents me, man or woman, boy or girl. I'm trapped. I'm stuck. I even know exactly why I'm in that place. But some of you were totally oblivious. You're like, I'm not stuck, man. I'm in, a, I'm in a rut, and I've been there for a long time. <laughs> All right. But how long? How long? Has it been years? <laughs> Has it been your whole life or a lot of your life? Maybe it's not a rut. Maybe it's not a rut. And you, you'd say, okay, okay well, how, how would I know then? How would I know if I was stuck and not fully free Well, if the opposite of bondage is being a freed child of God, then you should be experiencing in your life everything that comes with being a freed child of God. A freed child of God should be experiencing, here's a few things, an awareness of God's presence. Joy in the midst of trials. A longing for deeper intimacy and relationship with him a sense of acceptance and love from Him, security in who you are and your identity in Him. You should be experiencing supernatural power in and through your life, the fruit of the Spirit b- manifesting in your life, an awareness of His love and His care for you. you. should have a desire to be used by Him and a passion to see others know Him and grow in Him. You should be a willingness to follow and be led by Him and a willingness to fully trust and give up control to Him. These are the types of things that a freed child of God experiences under the loving care of their Heavenly Father who is dwelling in the house of their Father, receiving, walking in everything that is in the house and is the Father's. On the other hand, a not-so-free child of God would be experiencing a lack of desire for more of God. See if some of these things or all these things describe you. A continual falling back into the same unhealthy patterns. Lack of joy and trust in the midst of trials. Prolonged hopelessness. Fear that prevents obedience. Not regularly or maybe ever experiencing the presence of God in a tangible way. That's something. That's real. Little or no desire for God to move powerfully in and through your life. Or even on a personal level, something as simple as just a difficulty crying. Like you walk into a room, you're in a room, something happens, and everybody's a little teary, and you're just like, Stone cold. You can't even produce tears maybe if you tried. Men or women. I'm not just talking to the ladies in here. Men. Us too, man. If, if that's us, maybe something is stuck there. Or maybe an uncomfortableness with emotional situations or conversations. Inability to let people get too close. Or an unwillingness to allow others to deeply know you. I know some of this is uncomfortable. I get it but I just need to say these things out loud because if several or all of these describe you, it's not that you're not a child. I'm not saying that. It's not that you're not a child, but these are not symptoms of a freed child of God. Certainly not a fully freed child of God. These are symptoms of a child in some kind of bondage, somebody who is stuck. And again, I'm not talking about bondage to sin. It's more like you've been taken captive, but God is wanting to set you free if you wanna be. You may not realize it, but you've gotten used to this reality where you're living life, but not abundant life. But you don't have to settle today, guys. You don't have to settle. It's like living with a straitjacket, right? You're like, I'm still alive. I'm good, right? It's not that you're not living, but you're not walking fully freed. And some of you know it. You feel it. Some of you, this is new information to you. And you're like, no, 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 man. This, the straight jacket is fine. This is all I've ever known. Like, I'm cool here. It's safe here. I'm like contained, right? I feel like I'm okay right here. Either way, guys, listen, you need to hear God, who is your loving, compassionate Heavenly Father, saying to you, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, sweetheart. Would you let me take that off of you? Would you let me undo that for you? It breaks my heart to see you not fully free, to be able to... Receive everything that I have for you. It breaks my heart to to see you not able to run this race with endurance and walk in what I have set before you. This is not who you are, God would say to you. That's not who you are. You're my son you're my daughter. This is not who you are. I've adopted you. Let me, please, I look at this robe I got you. It's soft and it's beautiful. You can move free. Let me put it on you. Let me take that one and put one on you. Look at these sandals I got you. They're so comfy. Let me put them on you. Let me clothe you with my freedom. Let me clothe you with my love that drives out fear. Isaiah 61 says that, that God is this God who wants to exchange stuff. He wants to take the, 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 the stuff that's binding you up. He wants to take the straitjackets, so to speak, and give you these beautiful robes that you can flow freely. And it says, it says there that, that he wants to take your garments of ashes and give you instead a crown of beauty. He wants to take your bondage and give you freedom. He wants to take sadness and exchange it for favor and blessing. He wants to provide, provide joy for those who have been crying. And he wants to give dancing to people who have been in despair. He wants to bring healing to the heartbroken. It says in Isaiah 61, an abundance of blessing instead of shame and freedom for the captives. Did you hear the exchange there in Isaiah 61? God is a God of exchange. He takes one thing and he gives us another. It's not just that God has not given us a spirit of bondage, but also that he has given us a spirit of adoption. It's not just that people are trapped like that little girl under the weight of God knows what and that Jesus wants to set you free. It is also that Jesus is wanting to pull you up and into all of what it means to be an adopted, loved, accepted child of God living in the house of God. And for some of us, as much as we need to hear what we are, we also need to hear what we are not. You need the truth of who you are spoken over you and the truth of who you are not spoken off of you. You need to partner with Jesus by stepping out of the bondage of those lies and into the truth of who you are in Christ. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, just gonna say out loud some of those things right now. I'm just gonna read some of them. This isn't even an exhaustive list it's just it was already too long so I stopped but listen you are not you are not defined by your sin and you're not defined by people's sin against you and your identity as a Christian is not sinner your identity is son your identity is daughter you are not a failure you are the beloved of God you are not unlovable you are not invaluable. Jesus doesn't give his life for people that are, have no value. You are not unworthy of love. Do you realize today how madly in love with you God is and how often he thinks about you? You're not a mistake. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You are not defeated. You're more than a conqueror. You're not a slave to fear. You're a child of God. You do not deserve to be continually punished. Jesus took punishment on your behalf. You're not a lost cause. Jesus actually left the 99 to go find you when you were lost. You're not not worth fighting for. Jesus gave everything he had to fight for you and won. You're not a victim of your past. Listen, child of God, you're not a victim. You are victorious over your past because you're seated with Jesus in the heavenly places. And you're not a slave to those things that happen to you or around you. The one who the sun sets free is free indeed. And that spirit of fear that you live under, listen, that's not your home. That's not the home that God made for you. He has adopted you as his own and you are to live in his house. That's who he made you to be, to live in his house where there's fullness of joy and freedom and pleasures forevermore. And you're not starved for attention like you might feel. That's not what's true about you. What's true about you is that your heavenly father has more thoughts about you than all the grains of sand on every seashore of all the seas in all the world. And his thoughts towards you are for good. You are a beloved child of God. God displays his glory and shows it off through you. You are not defined by your failure but by fi- Christ's finished work on the cross. You are, Hebrew says, perfected Forever, because of Christ's finished work. And you are more than a conqueror. You are God's masterpiece and treasure. Not a mistake. You are wanted and chosen by God. You are a victorious son or daughter of the king. You have authority given to you as a child of God. And power in you, you're powerful because the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is working within you. You're not a slave. You're a child of God. You're not unseen or unnoticed. The Bible says, I think it's in Zephaniah, that God sings, in Hebrew it literally means twirls about singing over you. God twirls about singing over you. Listen, you don't do that for people that are unnoticed or not worth anything to you. I only twirl about over like my couple of kids, all three of them actually. (laughs) That's what God does over you. God notices. Some of you say, man, but where was God when... Such and such happened. Jesus said, Behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. God didn't abandon you, you're not alone. You are seen by God. You are loved and treasured and valued by him. And you're worth the fight every time. Ephesians 2 says that you are God's masterpiece, that you are his poema, that you are his magnum opus. I know, it's weird, it's crazy, but that's what the Bible says. Ephesians 1:19 says that you are God's inheritance. You are what God gets at the end of time. I know you're like, that's kind of a bum deal, God. Like, really? Of all the things you could inherit, like me? We are God's inheritance. The God who needs nothing, lacks nothing. You are his inheritance. That's how valued and treasured and loved by God you are. Did someone tell you you were unworthy or not good enough or that you'll never amount to nothing? Well, God has something different to say about you. Heck yes, you're worth the fight. Every single time to God you are. And you need to hear what God says about who you are because many of you have listened to other voices saying what you are. You've listened to your family saying this thing about you. It's not true. You've listened to your own voice in your own head defining who you are, and it's not true. You've listened to people who call themselves friends saying certain things about you that are not true, trying to define you and give you an identity that is not who God says you are. And today, you need to listen to what God says about you. And some of you are like, I I don't know what God says about you. I can't hear the voice of God. Don't tell me that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You just got to stop and listen. God has good stuff, actually, to say about you. How will you know if it's God? Well, I'll tell you what. It will not produce in you condemnation and shame because those who are in Christ are not condemned. It will not produce in you fear because God is love and his perfect love casts out fear. And it will not produce in you a heavy burden or a weight when God says something about you because Jesus lifts off our heavy burden. God takes off our bondage and our heaviness. Allow God today to speak truth over you. Allow Him to free you from the lies and free you into the truth. Allow Him to free you from the bondage and into the adoption because God is not just wanting to set you free from who you are not, He is also wanting to set you free into who you are, namely, a child of God. And everything that comes along with being a child of God, living in his house as a free son or daughter. God is a God of extravagance and exchange. When God delivered the people of Israel, he didn't just set them free from Egypt and be like, you guys are free, that's sick, right? Like you're not in bondage anymore, now you're out in the wilderness, but you're not not slaves anymore. No, no, no. He said, I'm not leaving you there. I'm taking you into the promised land. When God delivers his people, he always delivers them to something, not just from something. God is not just inviting you to get free from the strait jacket and just remove the shackles, but to start dancing into his love and his freedom. Isaiah 30 says then also that God is now waiting on high to do this. That God is waiting to be gracious to you today. Like he was here. Like he was just like like this, just like like waiting. Right? That's, that, that, that's, that, that's what the Bible says. A few years ago, I made a bunch of money on a tour in Brazil. I was gone for a long time. Came home, had a bunch of money. It was right before Christmas. I bought so much stuff for my wife and like big stuff, like couches and huge TVs and a new car, like stuff, right? On Christmas morning, I am never the first person up. I got little kids. I'm never up before anybody. But this Christmas, you better believe I was up before the sun waiting downstairs like this because I had really, really good stuff to give to my wife. That's God. That's God. God is waiting on high to be gracious to us. The God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could think up, imagine, or expect is waiting up early to give give to you from that abundance. Not just to deliver you from whatever it is that's got you trapped, but to deliver you to everything that comes with being a son and daughter of God and living in his house. But listen, guys, you got to get out of your bed. You got to walk down the stairs and into the family room And open up your hands to receive. Participation is required. And that's going to take some trust. It's going to take some letting go and some humility. You got to step into that, though. You got to unclench your hands and let go of that leprous blanket, so to speak, and open up your arms to Jesus. In order to receive, you also have to release. In order to receive, you also have to release. It's like a chick inside of a, a shell. Some of you have lived in that corner for so long that you're like a little chick in a shell. Don't let the warmness and the darkness and the coolness of that thing fool you, though. In order to live the abundant life that God has created and saved you for, you've got to break free. And generally speaking, shells don't break by themselves. They gotta, the chick's got to like break out of that. Jesus wants to work wonders in people's lives today. He's doing it already. Like I'm sitting around watching all these stories, all of us, and we're like, what did it. Oh my, God. wait, what are you doing, Lord? Like God, that's what God's doing right now. God wants to do this in people's lives, but you've got to be willing to participate and you've got to want it. I know it's scary, but you can trust God today. Trust me, I've been there. You can do this. You can do this. God will give you everything that you need to step out and to step in. But you've got to step in. Jesus said in Luke 13, 34, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Jesus wanted to do it, but because of their unwillingness, they missed out on everything that God was wanting to do we must be willing to step out of the claws of bondage and into the arms of Jesus, out of the slavery and into the sonship. Notice that woman in Mark 5 who had that flow of blood for 12 years. She didn't stay at home being like, well, I guess if Jesus wants to heal me, he's just gonna show up at my door. She stepped out and went and found Jesus, and stepped into what was already true about him. And almost every time we see Jesus healing somebody in the Bible, he says, your faith has made you well. It was a partnership between faith and his power. Now, it doesn't require a lot of faith, but it does require enough faith to get us to step out, out of our seat and toward Jesus. It does have to be enough faith to cause us to do something and listen, it's okay if you don't fully understand even the stuckness that you're in. You're just like, oh, that's a rut. I don't know. I'm just, or you maybe fully get it. You don't have to understand though. Don't let your head prevent your heart from getting free today. Don't let your head prevent your heart from getting free today. You don't have to understand everything in order to receive, but you do have to participate. I'll end with this verse here. Says Colossians 1 12b and 13. God has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son. See what this says? God has given you everything that you need to share in the inheritance that already belongs to you as a child of God. Everything that we've talked about today, all the good stuff is already yours. This is your inheritance. Jesus paid for it with his blood. You have been transferred from a kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of darkness the Son of God, and become co-heirs with Jesus. And yes, we won't get the fullness of the inheritance until Jesus returns, but there is a heck of a lot more for us to get right now than what we are currently participating in. So receive that today. You're a co-heir with Christ. And don't let fear and bondage prevent you from receiving. Can we pray together? Lord, I know it's not your will for your kids to be bound up. That's not the abundant life so many of us are, Lord. You look at your sons and daughters right now, and you know, and you have compassion on them. You say, I want to set you free. ask Holy Spirit that you would come and manifest the perfect love of God in this place to drive out fear. Ask, Lord, that people would encounter you right now in this moment just like that woman encountered you. Just by being in your presence, everything started changing. Holy Spirit, come. Break stuff free. Set people free today, Lord.